Welcome to Come On You Spurs TV, where we talk about everything Spurs. Today, to review the Asia Pacific Tour with me is Chuma. Chuma will join us on the other side. If you're new here, uh, click on the subscribe button, like and comment, and also share with your uh, family, friends, and connections. In the meantime, Come On You Spurs. Oops. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Like I said, I've got Chuma with me. Chuma is uh, who I like to refer to as our in-house guru. Right. Uh, Chuma, welcome. How are you? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm super, super, super good. Uh, end of the Pacific Asian tour, as you called it. And now we're here in this particular episode to discuss Spurs' midfield, which is still an option. It's detracts away from Spurs' defense. We, everyone else is talking about the defense. We'll be talking about the midfield. So for people in Common New Spurs Nation, this is such a change from everything else you're getting in the Spurs online world. Yeah, I know. Because um, if you look at that tour, we ended up with two matches at the end of it. Um, we are built to play three matches. Uh, quite a few uh, changes that were not sort of, uh, what you might call, uh, planned for. Um, some... Um, well, it's a couple of them beyond our control. Um, some again, well, but all of them beyond our control. We had some injuries as well in the course of the um, of the um, of the uh, of the tour, if you like. I mean, we had someone like Tangi Ndombele. He didn't feature at all so far on on, on the trip, even though he went off. Uh, but he got. I think he had a few. He had a, an injury and didn't quite um, feature in any of the matches. Um, on the tour, we were very much looking forward to seeing him, but we had a few interesting characters um, or sort of discoveries, if you like, um, pleasant discoveries, especially from the likes of Lo Celso, for instance, right? And uh, Pape Matessa, uh, we had Udoje, uh, we even had uh, Suma, who sort of came, gave a really good account of himself in that, in, that, in that midfield as well. So, yeah, we'll talk about each and every of those um, in the course of this. Um, obviously, we'll obviously welcome your comments as well in the comment section. We'd love to hear from you what you thought about uh, individual players on that tour. I know that uh, there's a lot of talk about that defense, and I think from if we start from the defense and say, for instance, right, so we weren't really called upon to do a lot, but a few times we were called, called upon to do anything, we actually kind of <laughs> got cut out those few times. I mean, so it's, it's, it's sort of maybe Seward says that we have a lot of work to do in that department. However, but we just sort of want to say, let, let's, let's start from there. What, 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 do, you, what do you think, Chuma? Um, well, well, I think, you know, I think the manager himself has addressed the fact that uh, Spurs are in the market for uh, central defenders. And because they're in the market for central defenders, um, it's it's something that he's addressing. And the fact that Ange Postacoglu is addressing this, that's all that matters to me. I, I'm fine. You know, um, I, I go on all these other sites, I go on all these other uh, podcasts, all these other blogs, and everyone is like losing their minds about how, oh, it should have been done at the start of the year. But if you look across, like, no disrespect, I know they're a fully formed team. We can't compare ourselves to anyone. I'm not saying you should. But Man City are yet to close on uh, Josko Gvardiol. So Gvardiol's deal was supposed to have been done. They haven't paid the 86 million. Um, and they've been at so, quite well, haven't they? Yes, there are quite a few teams that are quite deficient in some areas, very good in others. And we've been through transfer windows before. Um, so I understand the need to get everything at once. I wish we could all get everything at once, but that's not how it works. The real job of a manager, in my opinion, is how you can address your weaknesses and make them less of a weakness to you. And I think Ange Postecoglou has worked towards that in trying to offer like a, a redemption branch to players. So he's offered like a little redemption branch to players in, in the squad. And you've seen that now in midfield. Now it's a perfect segue into midfield. We've seen Tangi Ndombele in training and how good he looks 
or and in fact he's actually in training and he's actually working and he's actually playing i think the training sessions i heard were like 70 minutes because he just keeps throwing the ball back in so this time in Gombele, yes it's not as aggressive as a real match and it can compare but he's playing 70 minutes you've seen Loselso, you've seen pape matessa match time as well so the defense is, is, of, is of concern to us because everyone knows that we need to get like at least one new center back, maybe one or two backup players. Um, but I think the manager is in control of it. I don't think, you know, people say he's been let down, all these, using all these different negative words. I don't think so. I think he knew exactly what he was coming into. Um, they told him this is their timeline for doing things. And, but he's getting on with it. It's the one thing that that's the one thing that cheers me up in this negative world of Tottenham sometimes is the fact the manager sound bites, the man is doing his work. And you know, it's a better quality than what he's used to. Doesn't mean that it's the best quality, but he's working with what he has. And if they bring it, he works. If they don't, he's still going to work. And that's all that matters to me as a Spurs fan. Yeah, if if we looked at the, the actual positions that needed reinforcement um, from from a from a defensive perspective and from a neutral's perspective as in someone who's looking at Spurs from outside as opposed to being um, what you might call uh, partisan on one, on one side or the other if you like I mean what would you say the, the areas that need strength strengthening are because I mean so, some people say that I mean we need well a lot of people identify that we need a, a decent central Central um, defender on the left-hand side of the of the of the of the, of the field, um, but I think the other, the other thing also may be the fact that even if we need a one, we still need a backup for that one in case uh, over the course of the season because it's, it's going to be a long season. Obviously, there may be injuries, there may be suspensions. You know, you need someone to come in, and uh, there will be what you might call a seamless change, if you like. Um, so, are you is that something you're in agreement with, or something that you think? Maybe people are over, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree, I agree, and it's the, it's the shadow of Clement Longley, as I always call it, the shadow of Longley looms over Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because everybody and their uncle knows that Tottenham are still going to get Clement Longley, that Longley is making a return, (laughs) and it just when rather than (laughs) if he's coming, it's a when, and so. But if he arrives, I don't think Longley would be a starting left centre-back. I think he's someone who we've seen because of what he's done last season at Spurs. He's someone who is happy to just be in the in the mix, rotational and play, you know. And by, So I think Spurs' main mission is to buy one left centre-back, a very good one. And it could be uh, Edmond Tapsoba of by, by Leverkusen. But surprisingly, no negotiations have ever started with Leverkusen. It's always been observing. It's always been, oh, they've been in contact. They've talked to Tapsoba's people, blah, blah, blah. But officially, Tottenham have never approached Bayer Leverkusen. However, Tottenham have negotiated with Wolfsburg for um, Mickey van der Ven. And in my opinion, this is just my opinion, I, I, I like van der Ven more than Tapsoba. And that's not to say Tapsoba is a, is, a, is a poor defender. I just think the position of left centre-back needs a left-footed player. I watched how Davies did it, did it in the tour, and even though Davies isn't a, he's not a centre-back in a, in a back four, he's more for a back three, but I saw the way he brought out the ball, how natural it was for him, and using his right foot, his, his left foot to bring the ball out and make his passes, I thought it was more natural. However, you know, Tapsoba is right-footed. Um, uh, even though he is a qualified defender, he's played both sides before. I, I think Van der Ven is someone I think Spurs should go out and get. I don't know what the delay is regarding getting him. If they want to ship one defender out and then get him, and that defender, of course, being Davison Sanchez, who there's a lot of interest um, surrounding Davison Sanchez. So I think that's probably it. But if you ask me what Spurs needed at the moment, I would say we need two centre-backs. One should be a starting left centre-back. Another one that could probably play both left and right centre-back if possible. And Spurs need a defensive midfield player, a six, if Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, as is rumoured, is moving on. You need someone else who could play there other than Besuma. Right. So, where 
where does that leave us? If we say we went for Van de Van, um, and then we're able to get rid of, um, oh well, the ship uh, Sanchez on. Um, there was this rumor as well, as well that we were looking at um, getting this uh, Nielsen guy from from Galatasaray. Um, mm. Don't know what the truth of those rumors are, but you know, yeah. how do you rate Nielsen? I mean, in this in this grand scheme of things, I mean. Oh, I, I I I I like him. I'm I'm one of I I raise my hand. I'm one of those spreading the rumor that Nielsen is coming to Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those spreading the rumor that Victor Nelson is coming to Spurs because I, I I like him. I think he's he he plays the same position as Romero, but he's not as what's the word I'd use to describe Romero? Impulsive. That's the word. Right. Romero is a very impulsive. He plays football with his heart, so he just goes for people. But Nelson is a Scandinavian player. He's he's he's, he's quite cultured. He's not as physically imposing as Romero is. I think he's a better header of the ball. That's if Romero has any deficiency, Romero does not do headers. He's one of these defenders that he's more with his feet as befits a South American player, more or less. He can bring a ball out, he can pass, he can tackle, you know, but he doesn't use his head as much. But Victor Nelson does. I think Victor Nelson is a good player. His clause, I think, is in the region of 25 million. I think it's euros and not pounds. However, if Davison Sanchez should make the move across, it's the kind of deal that uh, our dear Daniel Levy loves to make, where we'll give you the player, and you take the money down to 10 million or 5 million, 15 million, we'll, struck, we'll, we'll stagger the payments in four years, <laughs> you know? Similar to, let's say, like the Winks deal, like we did the Madison deal. If, if you really look at it, Tottenham really just paid 20 something million for, 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 for James Madison. If you take away, if you take away the difference between what they, Play, paid for Winks, I think it was 10 million or 12 million. We literally got him for 20 something million. And God knows if we paid that in one go or if we're structured that as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing. The, the reality of football finance, we would never really know because those things are what my call shrouded in secrecy and for good reason too, because it sort of it weakens your negotiating position if the other side know how strong or how weak you are financially. So I guess um, they'll keep those sort of details too close, too close to their chest. However, I mean, you also have to write around rumors and, you know, innuendo and all sorts of um, suppositions uh, to, to sort of determine what, what, the, what, the, what, the, what the reality is. The fact of the matter is that, look, we need defenders. Now, from a, a cover perspective, we look at the right back position. We're looking at Poro and... Emerson, that looks to be a settled deal from that perspective. Uh, yeah. From Romero, are we are we looking at Romero and Dyer interchanging, or I, I would yeah yeah I would say I would say if Dyer staying, um, if Dyer staying, I think it would make more sense in my opinion for Dyer to play because if you watch the game against the uh, Lion City Sailors, um, Dyer played left centre back because he's more experienced. Right. And he's not he's not left footed, but he knows how to pass the ball more. And so I think he played the left centre back and he was okay. He was quite proficient in that role. But I think it's more as the deputy for Romero and you have to get two left footed players to play left centre back. Right. As it is now, that leaves us with Taganga. Taganga. So Taganga is he staying or is he leaving? Or what are we gonna do with him? Ship him off on loan? I, I think I think Jaffet Tanganga deserves he deserves some game time in his career. He's already like what twenty four or something like that, and he hasn't really played like first team football for for quite a long time. He, he didn't let himself down in this tour. Right. He didn't he didn't he didn't he didn't shine to the rafters like the gentleman we're going to be talking about, Lo Celso. But Tanganga didn't do himself any, but you could tell if this guy plays a lot of football, he could be better. And I think this is just my opinion. Um, I think Antiposokoglu looks at someone like Tanganga and remembers that the standout defender for him in Celtic was a certain Cameron Carter Vickers, who was Tanganga years ago for Tottenham. Cameron mm-hmm. Carter Vickers was this player we kept sending on loan. He would come back, he would play preseason and leave, but he was actually a good defender. I'm not saying. Carter Vickers was the greatest defender in the world. But he was a good defender. And I always thought in my head, it would have been so nice if this young man had, you know, stayed and, you know, given him a chance. So I don't know if that's playing in Angie's thing that, look, these guys are not actually bad players. They're just 
been they've just been guilty of staying and other managers not really valuing them and they've lost what they had so i don't know if you know we still have some time after the i think our last preseason friendly is against barcelona after the barcelona match we still have a good we still have a good but that's in august we still have a good month to the end of the transfer window absolutely absolutely so that so, uh, so, 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 to, yeah sorry. so you're right no go ahead sir no go ahead sir no i'll say that moves us on to uh, the left side of the of the centre backs, where of course we're looking at hopefully bringing in some someone new, one or one or two in. Um, there's rumour that Longley might be returning. Uh, we've got Davis <laughs> there, um, who Davis is like what you might call the classic stalwart for for for, for the team. However, he's, he's 33 this year, so it's not like he's getting he's not getting younger. So we we'll probably need some sort of either him as a senior player or him deputising, depending on what what. Um, Angel decides to do because Angel indicated in his interviews that he, he fancies Davis and he sort of likes likes the way he conducts himself. I, I know, but he fancies him as a left back, which is which was very telling. He says, "I like him. I would like to play him as a left back because I can see him as someone who can clearly play in our method." And I I said it from jump that he's not getting rid of Davis because. I've seen the way Davis passes the ball in midfield or whenever he used to bring the ball out. He has this incisive, he has this, Davis has like a pattern pass he makes all the time. It's like a crossfield low pass. And yeah. it's, I call, it's quite similar to Harry Kane, his friend, has a shot that is similar. Where Harry Kane shapes his body and bends the ball. Davis has a similar thing in passing a ball. And I see it all the time. And it's so brilliant. It just, it breaks the lines. That pass breaks the line. And Kane usually knows when he wants to do that. Kane makes himself available. God knows the number of times Kane has either gotten that ball or done a combination with someone from that pass and then scored. So I can see him playing midfield. And I think it's going to be, um, I think they're going to be two new left center backs. One, one, one starting, one deputy. I don't know who he is. I, but I just have this feeling Longley is coming back. And, so, which and I, I don't mind. I don't mind Longley coming back, honestly. And you know, I'm sorry, Spurs Nation, those people who are watching. I know you people are. You know, he 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 doesn't just divide. He's 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 someone that doesn't divide the group. He's just pure majority. Don't like Clement Longley. Well, <laughs> so. there, there you go. So I guess that that leaves us with, with left backs now. Left backs again, probably looking at what you just said just now. Um, Davis uh, as well as Udoje, right? Um, but it would still leave us with, um, at the moment, we, of, of course, I mean, granted that um, on this tour, yeah, he hasn't looked used at left back at all. I mean, um, that's Perisic, which has been moved up a little bit further up the, up, up the field. Um, it also leaves us with Sessignon as well. Sessignon has been injured. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to him when he comes back from injury. Mm -hmm. Is he going to be moved down on loan or is he going to be sold? You know, we'll see. But he hasn't really done. A great deal has been plagued by injuries and I mean poor form uh, uh, in patches, and he hasn't really had the chance to have a really good run in the team. So I mean, um, I'm presuming that um, he may well uh, leave, um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, that, that's that's something to, 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 that remains the same. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, um, it's, it's both him and Regulon. He missed out on Sergio Regulon, right. and um, Regulon Regulon played the matches, but and he did the inverted thing. Regulon, I think, is I'd say it's a bit of 50-50 with him because he wasn't bad going forward. He just wasn't super great in midfield or bringing the ball into an inverted position. And every time he had to defend, I thought Regulon was kind of weak in defense. And, you know, like we were talking about Jared Bowen of West Ham, you know, is the thing. He had him on toast. Every time Jared Bowen had the ball and came for Regulon, he was, I'm going past you. If they don't double me, I'm skinning you and it was happening all the time with frequency it got to the point you realized that West Ham that was West Ham's main creative outlet oh, yeah. was targeting regular um, in the other game he played he played quite well I think a combination on the left side was really good in uh, both games in terms of attacking but him and Sessignon I, I also feel for Sessignon you know like I'm one of those that said I think uh, Ryan Sessignon should move on not because he doesn't have any kind of skill I so <laughs> I have a bias. Well, uh, I have a bit of a beef with Sessignon. I felt that Ryan Sessignon was a gifted player. Um, he is a gifted player who played 
left wing for Fulham. He could play left back. And so he was sort of like this left wing back kind of thing. It would have suited him. Then last summer, he went and bulked up so much. And I was like, it wasn't necessary to bulk up. I, I, in my opinion, I felt he shouldn't have bulked up because that was going to affect him in terms of he has hamstring problems. So bulking up like that, I felt he, he looked too heavy. And also it took away from his skills. Like um, Sessignon could never beat his man and put in a cross. It cost him so much as a wing back. Just beat your man. He'd always, it was like he kept overthinking sometimes. You'd look at him and he'd be like, I don't know if I should cross, if I should shoot. And it cost him a lot, I think. And he wasn't very natural. But I think it would have been great to have him go on tour with Ange to see if Ange would have played him as a left winger, which everyone said Pochettino considered as well. That that's one of the reasons they bought him when they bought him in 2019 was this boy can either play left back for me or he could play as a left winger. He's that functional, multifunctional. So I feel it's a lost opportunity for him. I don't know with the remaining games. Uh, I think he's he, he comes back when the season starts. So I think they would either loan him out and or possibly look to sell him in January or something. I think I I don't think he, I think we're too overloaded on that left side. So I think Regulon and Sessignon might be departing the club, and I think Udogi and Udogi and um, Davies will be the considered thing because Perisic has been moved to left wing, right wing. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's leaves us with, with the midfield where all of the fun and games actually happen in this. Um, in this uh, tour, and I think probably the most exciting element of our play. I mean, because we have so many options there. I mean, uh, both from the um, from right side of the pitch to the middle and right right to the end. I mean, of course, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that in, in, in a minute. Now, but if you're here for the first time, this is Common Sports TV. Uh, leave your comment in the comment section. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe by clicking on the subscribe button. And of course, if you need to, I mean, obviously, get notified anytime we go live or, or share a video, uh, click on the bell button and you get notified. Um, yeah, and if there's anything you'd like to see on the program you'd like for us to talk about, please leave your comments in the comment section and then we'll, we'll look about at, at, uh, including that in our program schedule. Right, this midfield, uh, we did a bit of something called midfield conundrum for some time back. If you want to check that out. Uh, check that out um, on, on that video. We talked about the Spurs and this midfield conundrum. But it's it was laid bare, if you like, uh, during this tour uh, in, in the sense that for me, everybody, if not uh, even most everybody, if even if not all, get a really good account of themselves across that midfield. Uh, midfield, uh, and maybe some people didn't get a chance, like people like Tangi and Dombele, uh, who was obviously injured, we didn't get a chance to sort of prove, I mean, prove his metal, but. I mean, talk us through what we have now in midfield. Let's start, let's start on the right-hand side. Um, so the right-hand side of midfield. So if you know how Ange Postecoglou plays, he plays a 4-3-3, a which means he has three midfielders. One midfielder stays behind like an anchor and two players on either side of him. So the right-center midfielder and the left-center midfielder. Um, the right-sided midfield player in Ange's system is supposed to be the one who, I'd say he does a lot of work running he's a is a is a box to box midfielder he does what is necessary he covers the right side when he's um the fullback isn't there so he tries to make inroads and connect with whoever is playing on the right wing he's also trying to break into the box as well sometimes for some late chances you saw that with um Oliver Skip you saw that with Oliver Skip in the first game especially when he was he was in the box two three times had a shot and then had a header he missed he showed you then the left center midfielder so far in the preseason game for Ange, they've been more the creative hub of the side. They're the guys who get everything taken in the final third. They're occupying positions, they're spreading plays, they're trying to put through balls into strikers or forward players or wingers to cross in. So it's, it's been that way. So now if you see the right side, um, in this particular tour, the right side was um combination of Oliver Skip and Pape Matessa. And in my honest opinion, I think uh, Pape Matissa won that. Uh, <laughs> he won that, you know, hands down. He was just, he was just an amazing thing to watch. He had bundles of energy, excellent pressing with his long, long-legged pressing. Like, and the only problem for him at the moment, the only downside for him is end product, and he's young, so he has a huge, um, he has a huge 
ceiling to get to. But I saw his my kick, goodness, actually, he, was, he was he was excellent. No, but yeah, but so so for me, I think I'm I, I'm not I'm not a coach. I just watch football. I just don't think Skip <laughs> is suited to that position. I'm not a coach. I have to I have to come up and say it. But I trust the coach Ange. Ange Ange sees him as an eight. I don't. I see him playing as a six, where Bisuma is to deputize for Bisuma. But he he did the job well. His job is just to get the ball, tidy up, move the ball. You know, but this, the, the the beauty of it is two of them play the same position in different ways, which is kind of also the same thing you could say about the left side when we get to that with Madison and Lacelso. They play it in different ways, but they are both quite good at what they do, but they play differently. So that's the same thing on the right side, which I think I think the manager would love. And then deep down inside, it's really it's really hurting Spurs fans because we all know that. Rodrigo Bentancourt should be one of those two positions. In fact, it should be that right side guy. It should be Rodrigo Bentancourt. I think it's still going to be Bentancourt when he comes back from injury. So these two are just trying to, they're staking a claim for his deputy, in my opinion. Right. So you're saying that two of Sa and um, Skip equals one of Bentancourt. <laughs> Very, very, very much so because it's it's actually quite funny you said that because I, I wrote that that skip and sa equal I wrote that as an equation because um, sa is quite technically gifted Rodrigo Pentanco is technically gifted Rodrigo Pentanco also has an engine skip has an engine you know so it's that kind of thing he's he's everything those guys are and more and he has this you know when he's with the ball you know people can't forget that Rodrigo Pentanco is just like silk moving with the football he just has complete control of the ball his head is up he knows everybody is coming at him he knows how to shield the ball with his body you know so you can imagine yeah, Rodrigo so Bentancourt playing like, that to put in a tackle you know he has very very neat tackling as well. exactly you know yes yes he, he can, he's very, and, very and, and, he, and he's nasty he's nasty as well he's not afraid to stand up for himself yeah yeah brilliant player so, so that middle yeah. of the park I mean in the middle of the park you have Bisuma and then you had also Horibeg. Um So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, confused. Well, I'm not confused. I think, I think, okay, so at some point we had, um, what's the word? We had Madison. Um, Madison, we didn't play in front, did he? He always played in midfield. So where, where does Madison fit in? Well, it, dep- it depends on what you So I, I think Madison, Madison is, Madison is, What's the word I'd use now? I think he's going through a, a reorientation in how to play midfield because, or how to play a particular midfield. Because if you watch Madison play for Leicester, uh, Leicester played, uh, they rarely played a 4 3 3. They usually played 3 4 3 or um, 3 4 1 2 with two strikers ahead of him. He was always the 10 behind two strikers. In this Tottenham team, if Tottenham play a 4-2-3-1 with two guys in a pivot and they play three midfielders, I think it would suit Madison more. But in a 4-3-3, he's, he's having to come get the ball. So he's he's doing well with it, but it's not natural to him. But my goodness, it is so natural to Giovanni Lo Celso. Giovanni Lo Celso let's, is let's, just... Let's spend, a, let's spend a moment talking about Giovanni Lo Celso. <laughs> before, before, Why you not? Say, before, before you say anything about Giovanni Lo Celso, now... He's always sort of struck me as somebody who I thought when we bought him, I remember when we bought him, it was between him and and um, Bruno and Fen- Bruno, Bruno Fernandez at the time. Bruno right? Fernandez, yeah. And yeah. If, if anything at all, I think the, the, match, the difference in pricing was very much. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was really a matter of pricing. I think it was a matter of the clubs that he wanted. He, they wanted to go to an end. I mean, Bruno wanted to go to Man United, and he chose them. Chose, chose them us. Now, some people say that it was all. Daniel Levy's fault, he didn't close the deal on time, <laughs> and all that and all that. But and you and I know that the, the, the reality of the matter in some of these deals is that we, don't, we never know what goes on behind closed doors, you know? And um, the, so, you know, in other words, we didn't get Bruno at the time, but we thought Rosselso. Mm. I actually thought, in my view, I prefer Rosselso any day. Because, one, I felt that Rosselso had this more of an ability to control the game from end to end and he also had a good tackle on him and he had this this little fear thing about him as well that he could like 
you know, if you, when you have it on fire, when you need to be on fire, when it's on fire, it will seem unstoppable. And the, but the only downside, if you want to call it the downside for, for me, for Jordan also was his being injury prone, right? And he didn't seem to have that. I don't know. Maybe he didn't quite gel with his teammate or whatever at the time that he was with us. But anything he plays for Argentina, my goodness. I mean, you could see Lucelso in his in his in his element. And to think that, I mean, this is what people say that Messi always insisted on having Lucelso in the team. It says a lot. <laughs> it says a lot. Even though Messi is not a good player, but I mean, it tells you that if someone like Messi could recommend Lucelso, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, 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 it tells you everything that you need to know about Lucelso. But what I found about him is this is innate ability to be able to find people on the run and place the ball almost like inch perfect, you know, drop in their line, right? So you won't even need to break a stride to get onto the ball and always, always seem to create an opportunity every time it passes forward. That for me is such a remarkable trait. And also he has this ability to sort of create like a like an anchor for a three, I mean, a three man attack whereby he's praying passes in, in very, very short spaces between two attackers in front of him and he makes it look so easy and and delicate and it's a delight to watch. I mean I yeah. I, I, I just had to be so can you carry on, please. No, no, I I, I told you, everybody knows I'm an unashamed member of Team La Celso. And there's a there's a wonderful book by um football writer Jonathan Wilson. It's called is a is a history of Argentina and Argentinian football and Argentinian players. I think it's called um Angels Angels with Dirty Faces. That's what it's called. And I think the title more or less alludes to the fact that Argentine players can have the greatest skill, but there's just this bit of feistiness about them that they could, you know, they could two foot you. If it, and we're talking their number ten as well. We're talking, look at Di Maria. Di Maria can be nasty. Uh, Messi can be nasty. All of them, angels with dirty faces. And Lo Celso falls into that bracket. So I'll go back to what you said at the start. It was, it was really, I think personally, that it was get Bruno and get Lo Celso. That was what that I think that was. Mauricio Pochettino's plan. The reason we didn't get Bruno was Daniel Levy's fault. I'm sorry. There's no two ways around it because Sporting Lisbon were like, this guy is just dragging this thing out. And Bruno wanted to come to Spurs. He was hell-bent on coming to Spurs. He can't even deny it now. Now he's a United guy, so he won't say, but if you go back and read, Bruno, all the sound bites was, and we did the same thing that we've been doing since then, and other teams do as well, where they agree personal terms we agreed personal terms with him however we thought it would lead to us you know sporting always wants sporting and benfica always want to sell for profit they want to sell for a lot of money and they like their cash as we've seen with the pedo poro deal as well they want they will extract a lot of money from you you know because that's how they grow their academies that's how they, they manage to play some some foreign players they've got in their teams as well they need that money so they're not selling for less than 40, 50 million. You, you see ongoing with Sporting Lisbon and Benfica and Porto as well. They pay good money upfront for their players. They wanted to move. But when we got La Celso, I was the same as you. I was telling everybody that the reason I love this La Celso guy is I first caught wind of him when he was in Paris Saint-Germain. And when he was playing for PSG, he played defensive midfield, he played central midfield, and he played attacking midfield. He could play all three positions. And I was like, this guy is amazing because he can tackle a bit, he can he can mix it a bit, and he can pass. My goodness, he's passing. Getting, you know, you and I spoke about it in the last game. Getting into those pockets, and it's not just getting into the pocket, it's getting in the pocket, getting the ball, and in a flash, one touch, yeah. he's done something. He's either set someone free, or he's put a true ball, or he's opened up something, and you're thinking, my goodness. You know, even when Richarlison scored his goal in the last match, uh, if you watch it, he he sort of dummied that he was going to make a pass to his left. So the defender moved and he shielded it to take a shot. And so the deflection of the shot coming down, which has, that, was, that was his goal. He could have scored a goal right there. Yeah. And like you said, Messi loves him. Messi, I watched this thing where they said, um, I think there's a video online where it says like, you know, the romance between Messi and Lo Celso. And you just see that, Lo Celso knows exactly where Messi is and he knows exactly the kind of ball he plays into Messi. It never puts Messi in danger of the ball being taken away from him. And Messi is like, you know, I tell, I tell everybody, 
the emergence of um, McAllister or Brighton is because Giovanni Lo Celso got injured. Mm-hmm. Had Giovanni Lo Celso not gotten injured for Argentina, or going for Villarreal last season, he would not have gotten a, a run. McAllister would not have got, and that's not to say McAllister is not as great as McAllister is. The Argentine national manager knows that Lo Celso is better. Messi knows that Lo Celso is better. Messi also rates uh, Christian um, Christian Romero as well. That's another thing. So he's another. He, he was urging Barcelona to buy him. So when people come out and say Messi really does know footballers and make him play better, but Lo Celso to me, I think he's. You know, we talk about Madison. Madison plays an attacking midfield player very well. But there's something about Lo Celso. It's like it's he's in control. He's not out of control. And when we bought him. I think the best indication was the game he scored his first goal was a Champions League game away. And it was a ping pong goal where Kane hit the post, Son hit the bar, and it fell to him and he scored. But if you watch him in that game, this was playing under Mauricio Pochettino. He was controlling things. He was doing exactly what he did. Then even when Mourinho took over, I think we played a game against Southampton away. And there was a chance that Kyungman Son missed. But it started from... Lo Celso getting the ball in our half and he did this slalom run where he just went past three guys in the dribble and just played the most delicate ball in front of Son and Son missed it and it was, the, the keeper was gone but it was just the silky way he went past, glided past so he drops, he drops his shoulder easy and gets past people so I'm very excited and I love the quotes at the end because you saw at the end of the game and for secondly they asked him he said they said, oh, that people in Spain now believe that you're not going to sell him. He says, you don't have to go to Spain. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, he said, you don't have to go to Spain, mate. I'll tell you right now. Like, this guy, we enjoy working. And the, 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 the news coming from behind the scenes is he spoke to Los and said, I need you. I will play you. And Los said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And, you know, we're talking about the injuries. You, you alluded earlier on to the injuries that um, he suffered. I think he suffered those injuries because he was asked to play in central midfield where he really had to mix. Whereas he's more central midfield to box, but he was meant to go backwards, central midfield to our box as well and bring the ball. So that stuff gets you in. You're, you're, you're at the mercy of the, you know, now we've got like Casimiro's, Thomas Party. Those guys would dent you, you know? So now if he's, if, if he's sort of in between them, if he's sort of in between them and, couple of centre-backs. He'll, he'll kill those centre-backs. I'll kill the full-backs in Verti. He's more skillful than them. So I think we're in a very good space regarding that. And then you've got Tangi in Nombele. I think that's where you're going to go to next. Yeah, I mean, Tangi. Tangi, I've always loved Tangi. Uh, I know that he hasn't really... Um, didn't really do himself justice while he was he was here. And But you saw flashes of his brilliance. At certain points in at the time that he was playing for us, and he had what you might call fitness issues, we didn't seem to have application and all of that, and all of that. But someone said some, someone said something, and which you kind of have to take into account. So I guess, but on the one hand, you that's one, one, one what you might call mitigating factor. A, he didn't speak English. Um, he's his first time out of his country. He's from you know young man in England. You know, I think he looked up to Sissoko as his um. As his, as his guide or, or uncle figure, if you like, in the team, or senior figure in the team, so guide him, you know. But um, I'm not sure that he he, he really um, got himself grounded uh, enough, you know, in terms of being able to showcase what his abilities were. And uh, you have all those fitness issues as well. I mean, some people will tell you that, look, you can't be, pay, be paid that much and not get yourself fit enough to be able to play 90 minutes of it. I mean, come on, you're getting paid almost 200,000 pounds a week, you know. <laughs> you know, you've got to lift your finger, but, you know, lift your finger and make make, make, make sure that I count. I don't know what, what's going on, in, I mean, from that fitness perspective or how 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 that, that plays out. But there's something in him, right? There's a magical touch about him that he gets on the ball. He's a, very difficult shake of the ball. And two, he always has a way of creating openings and, you know, He's such a skillful player, you know. I think if he had a bit of more, more application to his skill and consistency, I think we, we've got a diamond, diamond gem in our hands, you know. <clears throat> yeah, um, we're in Nombele. So I I flip-flop between being team in Nombele and not team in Nombele. But 
I take into consideration the mitigating circumstances since he arrived in Spurs. But I'll, I'll, I'll cast your mind back. You know, we always talk about the fact that, you know, I talk about old football a lot. But, you know, we as football fans, we as Tottenham fans, we had a player that arguably is the greatest Tottenham player. However, the greatest Tottenham player is not the greatest England player. Now, it's different when you flip it to strikers. So Tottenham have the greatest Tottenham striker is also the greatest England striker now in, well, in terms of national team. That's what I'm saying. So that's Harry Kane. But in terms of Tottenham's greatest player, arguably, in my opinion, and I don't know if you agree with me, and I don't know if anyone else, if you don't agree, please put a comment down, is Glenn Hoddle. Glenn Hoddle is the reason, probably like 70% of the reason I'm a Tottenham fan at the moment. I'm a Glenn Hoddle fan. Glenn Hoddle was this creative, genius player who could use both feet equally. Like you didn't know how to mark him. And, you know, he could spray passes left, right, and center to feet into space. He was everything. You know, um, the, 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 there was a joke because Glenn Hoddle, Glenn Hoddle I think he's, he's Christian now. or he, he, he turned. So they said that, you know, you heard Glenn Hoddle has found God. And someone said, you know, that must have been one heck of a pass. And that was funny, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> as a Spurs fan, that's all you knew Glenn Hoddle for. And the thing was, but if you watch football in the 80s, ladies and gentlemen, that was the 80s football. Every team played 4-4-2. And the two midfielders in central midfield, they were supposed to be this box-to-box energetic player for those who want to reference, go and look for Brian Robson of Manchester United. Brian Robson was a very good player, but he was a guy who was all action. To the, to the detriment of his body sometimes. He had some horrific injuries. But that was the guy that England liked. Sorry, the English players loved, the English fans loved that. Glenn Hoddle was this classy player who outside of the foot, you caress a ball. So he was seen as soft. And he was seen as, you know, Glenn Hoddle was seen as this guy who was a fancy Dan player. He's a, there's a word that was coined, luxury player. And it, it hurt England because... He was the most creative player England had in their midfield for me throughout the 80s, way above anybody else until the emergence of Paul Gascoigne. But because he wasn't this hustle-bustle guy, England couldn't fit him in. If you played him in central midfield, the opposition knew that the minute you tackled Glenn Hoddle, he wasn't going to tackle you back and he wasn't going to, and, you know, if he didn't have help. So England managers, not one, not two, about three of them, sidelined Glenn Hoddle. And Glenn Hoddle shows up in France to play for Monaco at the end of his career. He leaves Spurs after the FA Cup final in 1987, and then he moves to France, and he wins player of the year in France because in the French league, they were not limited to 4-4-2. The French were playing 4-4-1-1 or 4-3-3 where Glenn Hoddle had freedom, and he was player of the year. Yeah, miles. What I'm trying to say by using this example is players can be unfortunate to fall into systems or positions where it doesn't actually help them shine. And Tanyi Nombele, I'll give you more of his history. The season we bought him was his, only his second season in top flight football. He had played lower league football and then moved to Lyon for a lot of money, played well in his first season and emerged in the second season where teams were like, look, we need to get this guy. He made his debut for France. And Tottenham had to pay a lot of money because According to however you look at it, the equivalent of Daniel Levy in France was the chairman of Lyon, who yeah. just uh, he just retired recently. The two of them, the two of them are like two. They're like two rhinos bumping heads, you know. But we got a deal for this guy. He was our most expensive player, probably our highest paid player, joint with Harry Kane as well. He comes in, and then the philosophy he comes into. It's Mauricio Pochettino's philosophy of how midfield is played. And then within a couple of months, Jose Mourinho arrives. And Jose Mourinho likes African players. It, it's something I give him. He likes a lot of African players. He likes the way they are. He likes their, the, you know, their stamina and technique at the same time. But Tangi Nobele isn't stamina technique. He's more technique and, and movement and guile and shielding balls. And so he had to adapt to Mourinho. And it was difficult for him. Not to say Mourinho is a bad coach, but Mourinho has his way. There are managers that have their way of working and you have to adapt to them. They don't adapt to you. Mm -hmm. So Tangi had to go through all that. He now became a central midfield player. 
And then you saw him sparkle in games where he was allowed to drift near the 18-yard box. He would just come to life. A dribble, shoulder drop, drag back, and a little pass in, or some really nice goals he'd score. So everyone thought he was an attacking midfielder. But I didn't think so. I think he was still a central midfielder, but he needed something like, in my opinion, what Ange Postecoglou is playing now for Tottenham. A, a system that allowed him flow. Same way Huddle was allowed to flow. And I'm not comparing Glenn Huddle to Tangi Nombele, ladies and gentlemen. Please don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't think please, I'm doing that. But please, I'm just please, saying. Please, please don't let Chuma, please, okay? <laughs> you know, you know, you know I, 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 I don't commit sacrilege. I, I, I worship at the altar of Glenn Huddle. <laughs> so I'm not trying to slander the great, the great man. I'm just saying he was underappreciated because the, the management didn't, you know, and Ndombele has now played under uh, Mauricio Pochettino, uh, Jose Mourinho, Nuno Espirito Santo, and Antonio Conte. And these managers are managers that their midfields more or less don't do what an expansive team would do. And you look at him and it's like, you know, he played at Napoli for um, Spalletti. And Spalletti is someone that, I wouldn't say Spalletti is Ange or Ange is Spalletti, but Spalletti allows a lot of expression. And he played there. He didn't start so many matches. But in the matches he played, he did, he did quite well. I can, I can admit that he did well. Why? Because there's movement. There was a lot more freedom in Italian football for him. And he's come here and he's played in training. And so far, from the reports emerging from training, he's doing very well. But unfortunately, he just suffered an injury creating a goal for Hurricane in training that I think was really unfortunate. It would have been so nice to see him as possibly one of the midfielders as well. I think where Skip and Saar are playing, I think he could do that as well. He could do a version of that as well. So it would have been nice to see him play. So we hold our hope. Yeah, so, I mean, where, where does that leave us now? We've got an array of talent in that midfield. I mean, if you would go for that midfield and say, what would be your starting lineup? What, what would you, I mean, what, what would you even, where would you even start from? You said, <laughs> I mean, I know we, we let's, okay, let's, let's, before we come back, we'll come, we'll come back to that in, in, in a minute, but let's just quick, quickly look at the attack, you know, I mean, very quickly. Um, we don't know whether Hurricane is staying or not, you know. Um, we have, <laughs> we haven't even talked about Perisic. Where does Perisic play? Does he play the front, part of the front three? Or not, or does he play as part of the part of the yeah. midfield on, 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 you know, in the, in the, in the left hand side? And we have Manuel Solomon, who's also very good on the left hand side. We have um, Kulusevski on the other side. We have Richarlison. We have um, Mr. Sasson. Of course, we have Mr. Kane as well. So, I mean, we have we let Brian Hill at home. So, there's a lot going on there in terms of the, of the team. I mean, if you have to choose the first 11 tomorrow, as in your, what you might call your first choice 11. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? Who would you choose? I would love to have you guys well, as well. Who would be yeah. your first team? Who would you, you pick? So if we, if we, if if Hurricane is staying, um, you, you can't not start Hurricane kind of thing. But if we had to play a game tomorrow, and I had to pick from what we have now, I would pick. Um, so so I'm a I'm a I'm a Pep Guardiola guy. So my my midfield is not going to suit everyone. But I'll go as a goalkeeper, Vicario. I'll go as my right-back, Emerson Royal, who I think has played fantastically well in the United role. Um, right centre-back will be Romero. My left centre-back will be whoever we buy. I wouldn't risk Davis there. I or in, in failing that, you know, Eric Dyer. In failing that, but I don't think Dyer would be there, but just Dyer for now with what we have. Um, Left-back will be Destiny um, Udogi. Um, my defensive midfielder would be Bisuma. And then the two midfielders next to him would be Lo Celso and Madison. <laughs> in my opinion, I'll go for two creative players and I'd go for Lo Celso and him because Lo Celso can also help out and battle and he can do box to box and he's also great. I'll play both of them. I don't see why not. On the left wing, I would have Hyung Min Son. I would have Kane as a striker. And on the right side, I'm going to shock a lot of people. I'll go with Mano Solomon ahead of Kulisevsky just based on the preseason. Isn't that interesting? But uh, the good thing about it is that it leaves us with a solid, solid squad in terms of the mid of the of replacements that come in if any of those players get injured or not playing. And then it also means that 
the manager can mix up things, you know, can bring on Poro for free kicks and, you know, and bumping forward if he needs to bump forward. Yeah. You know, you can bring... Yeah, we got, we got, you, you, have, you, have five, you have five substitutes now, you know, so it's, it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So. You can bring on Kulusevski, you can bring on Dombele, you can bring on... Um, we have not even talked about Hoiberg, you know, Hoiberg might be leaving as well, so hey, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, there's, there's a lot of... Can I shock you? Yes, uh, the other day when we were watching that game, uh, and I watched it again and again and again, uh, I was watching Eric Dyer. Now, I'm not saying it's a thing. However, Eric Dyer kept coming because we were playing such a high line. He was at the halfway line most of the time. And he was, he was spraying passes to left and right. And I said to myself, what if he came back into midfield? What if Eric Dyer came back as a six? As a backup six, instead of being one of the center backs, let's just say, um, Hoiberg goes. yeah, yeah, Hoiberg goes. We don't get any sixes, and he now gets. Let's say Tanganga doesn't go because there's no news about Tanganga being sold. The only person we have on the chopping block is Davison Sanchez. What if Tanganga stays as backup to Romero? Let's just say, and then you get two new lefties, and then they play. Eric Dyer's surplus requirements, and Eric Dyer can play defensive midfield. And I that's, think he could do it very well because he has a very good range of passing. That's an interesting perspective. I mean, yeah, so, we'll, we'll see how, how Andy yeah. uh, plays out the whole team. Um, because, 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 he's too, because he's too slow. He's too slow a centre-back because we are all seeing the problem is if you're playing a high line and the line gets beaten, you need defenders that are rapid. And Eric Dyer isn't rapid. However, the, the person who plays that six, all he's doing is he's just switching the ball right to left passing it. And I think Dyer can do limited responsibility in that sense. You know, if him and Bisuma played in different ways. So Bisuma starts. And if Bisuma, you bring Eric Dyer, and Eric Dyer, I think, can do it very... The, the whole, he wants to be a centre-back. That was a problem with him, him and Pochettino. Pochettino didn't see him as that. Pochettino saw him as... And I think Ange sees him... If Ange can see him in that way as well, it might be, might, it might be a game-changer for Eric Dyer's career. What do you guys think? Let's hear from you. Leave your comments in the comment section below. Um, do you agree with Chuma? Uh, I can possibly play in midfield as a six. <laughs> Let's see how um, and Postigoglu sets up the team. Um, we're coming on, coming back home with the match against Shakhtar Donetsk on the 6th of August. Um, I'm sure that uh, we, we'll be here to preview the match and obviously give you a post-match uh, uh, live stream as well. So yeah, please, we're looking forward to that. Thank you so much for, for coming, coming, coming on the program today, Chuma. It's been fantastic having you. And yeah, in the meantime, come on, you Spurs. Mm. Come on, you Spurs.